check. Well, good morning, everyone. I just wanted in the heart of this worship song, um, the end just talks about like, I will love you and I will seek your wisdom. And I'm just, I was sitting on the side praying and I really felt like I needed to share out of a scripture that's, it's ingrained in my heart. It's something that I've memorized. And it talks about if anyone who is anxious by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the God of peace will come and dwell in your heart and your mind richly. And I really felt like someone needed to hear that this morning, that your circumstances, the things that are going on, it's not peaceful. It's maybe not comfortable. But I just want to pray for that. And maybe if that's you, uh, I, this prayer is for you. And then we're just going to jump into the word. I'm excited for what God has to say. I've been praying and asking God for a word for you guys this weekend. So uh, let's pray. Father, I, for those that are struggling right now with everything that's going on, with, with life and, and family and friends and work, God, there's a lot of anxiousness towards everything. And God, I know that you are the God of peace, that you are the God that brings peace to our hearts and our minds. And I pray that out of that space today that we submit our thoughts, that we love you, God, and, and we trust you, that you will bring peace to our heart and our mind despite what we're facing. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, uh, I want to jump right in. I'm going to messy your, your sorry, sorry, Brandy. I needed this. Uh, I wanted to jump right into a scripture today. Uh, I'm excited for multiple reasons. It's sunny out, and I decided to wear all black. And so uh, I, uh, I decided to put on a sweater over top, which is even worse, but I'm doing it because if I'm wearing all black, I'm just, it's just going to get hot. And so uh, praise God for sunny weather, hey? I'm like super stoked for the next few days to enjoy the sun after a season of snow, if you're Canadian, this matters. It matters that it's warm out today. And I hope that you get outside and you enjoy the sun. But I want to talk to you this morning about a woman that um, had very little. And I know a couple of weeks ago uh, when I got to share, I shared out of the heart of what God calls, or what we call small, God calls great. And there's this story um, about this widow and her offering. And uh, I just want to read it here quickly and then... Um, we're going to jump into what I really hope is the heart of the message here. It said, Jesus sat down opposite. This is in Mark chapter, chapter 12, verses 41. If you got your e-Bibles, if you got paper in your car, start looking for it. If you got pens, uh, if you got pennies hidden somewhere in your car because you're still Canadian and you have pennies somehow, um, you can get your kids searching for those. But it's in Mark chapter 14, verses 41. And it says this, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins, two, two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, she out of her poverty, put in everything. Hit, hit the person next to you in the car if you have someone in your car and say everything. All that she had to live on. Now, I've been reading this scripture uh, for 
all, all week and just meditating on it and going, God, what are you wanting me to say about this? And a lot of times this scripture is used to talk about generosity and giving. But I want to talk about our thoughts today. And I kind of want to do a little thought inventory this morning while you're in your car, while you're sitting there, which is why I also said maybe pull out your phone or pull out a piece of paper because I want us to think about the things that we think about in a week or the things that we've thought about this week. And that means maybe taking some time to reflect on our our last week or last month and the things that we've thought. Because in Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, As a person thinks, so is he. So this, this doesn't mean that, like, if I think that I'm going to become a bird, I'm, I'm all of a sudden going to become a bird or, 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 or something weird like that. But in our heart, the way that we think about ourselves, it really matters. And so I wanted to do some thought inventory. So if you have, yeah, I, I mean, just a few seconds here, I have some very specific questions that I want you to think about. Because out of the nature of as a person thinks, so is he. I'm curious in your thought life about how you thought about God this week or what you thought he could do. Or maybe what did you think about yourself this week in the way that you looked at yourself and the things that you were doing and evaluating yourself? What did you think about yourself? Or maybe one that's maybe more common is what did you think about what others were doing or your coworkers or your family members? How were you thinking about them this week. And I know that thoughts are just words internalized, and sometimes we can have thoughts that are words externalized. And the Bible actually talks about that, where it says, out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. So what's in our hearts can come out, and sometimes we can not only evaluate our thoughts in the way that we thought about God and others and ourselves, but we can actually evaluate the words that we've said this week and to really think about, well, maybe the way that I talked with my, my spouse or maybe the way that I, I talked to my boss or my cousin or my auntie on the phone or, or whoever it may be. But those things are just words that are externalized. But I want to talk about thoughts today because I really think this widow understood something. Because her thoughts showed something very different. And in Mark 14, we see that she comes and she gives these two coins. And Jesus is pointing this out, and we we read it in the Gospels because we see this whole story. We see it in Matthew, we see it in Mark, and we see it in Luke. The whole last moments of Jesus in the synagogue. Because this is actually the last time that Jesus actually speaks publicly in the temple before he is taken away to be tried and to be, um, to be put on a cross. And so this is the last time Jesus is talking, and he's sharing with his disciples. And before he points out this widow's offering, I always found it strange that Jesus was, like, watching. Like, I don't watch people give. I don't sit there and be like, oh, did he give? I don't, I don't do that. But I, Jesus was there, and in certain Gospels it says that he looked up and saw. In other ones, in Mark, it actually says he positioned himself opposite of the tithe. And so I think about Jesus' intentionality in where he moved and what he did and the intentionality that he does and, and moves in, and, and moves in your own lives. And so when this widow gave these coins, he brought all the disciples together. 
Like they're in the temple. He's like, guys, you need to come together. I need to show you something that just happened. I need to point out this little thing. And he says in Mark that she gave out everything. And this was to point out something that he had just earlier discussed with with the Pharisees because there was these arguments about resurrection and whether or not if you married someone and then you remarried, who would you be married to in heaven? And she's like, you don't get it. Marriage doesn't matter when it, when it comes to heaven. And, uh, and, and then this great teacher is hearing all these things that Jesus is saying, well, wow, this guy's wise. And it says this great teacher comes over and he saw all the good answers asked of him. We see this in verse 28. And he says this, of all the commandments, which is most important? And Jesus answers the question that he has, and he says, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. And then he goes, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he points it out. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And in Matthew, um, we see that Jesus, how Matthew records it is as all the laws and the words of the prophets are summed up in these two things. This means that Moses and and what Moses had written on these stone tablets and, and all these prophets had talked about, it can be summed up in these two things, love God love others. And I think that when Jesus pulled the widow in, when he brought the disciples into this situation, it was significant because he was pointing something out. This one was giving all of it. When God was asking, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and mind and strength. And then he's pointing out this widow, she gave all of it. She had two coins. And I love that the Bible says there was two coins because when I, when I look at this widow, it's just so unique because in my life, sometimes when I give, I give a portion, only a small amount to others. Whether it be in my words, whether it be in my actions or with my wallet, I only give a small amount. And often I think what I get is for me. But when God gives to us, he gives for us to give to others. And what's unique about this woman is she understood both of these laws. And Jesus was trying to express, you know, this isn't just about coins. This is about a way of thinking. I just want you to understand this woman goes, I'm going to give you my two coins. One is that I love you, God, with everything I have. I surrender my thoughts to you because I'm struggling and I'm looking at it. I'm going, I don't know how I'm going to make it the next day. And some of you are walking through frustrations and structure changes and COVID fatigue and all these things that are happening in culture around us and we're struggling. But we see this woman, she had such a strong thought life. Though she was poor, she understood, Lord, you have everything that I need. And I trust you with all my heart and the feelings that I have towards this. It doesn't say that, and a lot of times they use this scripture that, to talk about how God loves a cheerful giver. That is the scripture, and that is context, but it doesn't go like she cheerfully skipped away after giving these two coins. But she did love, and she did love with all her heart, 
with all her soul and with all her strength because it took strength for her to walk into that place and to put those coins in that space. And she said, you know what? This one coin is saying, God, with what you've given me, I trust you to continue to give. Well, what I love about this is that there's two coins. So not only was she giving going, I'm trusting you with me. She says, here, take more. Use this. When I'm giving this to you, her thought life was about the second. And I know that the rabbis, they asked this question. They go, okay, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus comes back with two things. And I find it is like greatest. He pauses and he goes, which is the greatest? What's the most important one? And he goes, okay, the hero is God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And he goes, the second is like this. Here's the second, second, it's not like second most important. He's just saying these are both equally important. Loving God and loving others. And sometimes I wonder if Jesus pointed it out because he went, that giving and the, the offering that they would put into the temple was not so that she would have something. Because Jesus pointed out just previous to that, that he called the Pharisees out saying, they're not even looking after widows. They're actually stealing from them. And, and so he's going, but yet this widow is going, she trusts me and wants to look after others. And uh, I love that her thought life was about obedience, trust, in prayer. And I really believe that if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, then my thought life should look similar. Then my thought should be focused on God. And some of the ways that we love God is through our obedience. The scripture says in John, if you love me, Jesus says this, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I used to wrestle with that so much. I went, okay, so then you only are loved by my obedience. And I used to think that only if I was obedient that God would love me. I was reading it wrong. I was going, like, if I, if I do everything that God asks, God loves me. But if I don't do everything God asks, then he doesn't love me. And I struggled with that thinking, like, when I was disobedient that God didn't love me. God's love is not dependent on your obedience. God loves you despite our disobedience. God poured out his love on a cross for us despite our sinful, broken nature. And I wanted to talk about our thoughts because our thoughts actually are, are opposite God. Romans 8 says this, and I found this scripture really interesting this week, and I thought I would share it with you. It says, those who live according to their flesh have their minds set on the flesh's desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set, they think, on what the Spirit desires. And it says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And then verse 7, this is the, the hinge point for me. It says this, it goes, the mind governed by the flesh, meaning my life lived pleasing myself, is hostile to God. I never thought that my thought life would be hostile to God until I took thought inventory this week. Until I actually thought about the way that when I wasn't living in a life that was led by the Spirit, or I wasn't allowing the Spirit to lead me, that I was actually hostile to God that my thoughts would be angry or aggressive towards someone because they disagree with me or they don't see things the same way. 
But what I love about this is when we walk in obedience, that it gives us freedom. We all of a sudden begin to experience God's love in a different way. And it's not always out of obedience so that we get something. It's out of obedience so that someone else gets something. It's as simple as sometimes when you go, hey, can I pay for the person behind me in the drive-thru at Tim Hortons? That's a thought, and God puts it on my heart, but I'm deciding to love another. I'm deciding to put my thoughts on someone else rather than, okay, this is for me. This is all about me. This is why I'm going through the drive-thru. My instant comfort. I need that steep tea with two milk and a half sugar just to make me happy. That's the only reason I'm going through. And God goes, no, this isn't the only reason you're going through. I want you to be obedient to what I'm asking. And one of the toughest things about obedience is that it challenges my trust. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where God's kind of speaking to you to love someone. Because in the Bible, it talks about how easy it is to love those that, that are your family, that you, that you love. It's easy to love those that you love, but it's hard to love your enemies. But even your enemies have friends that they love, and it's easy for them to love. So there's love there, but yet God in his goodness says, hey, hold up. I know that you love your, the people that you love, but I'm calling you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But my thought goes, no, 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 no. God, no, 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 no. This is not what I want to see. I want to see you rain fire down on them because they've made me angry and they've hurt me inside. And that's my thought life that goes on. You know, those little, like, I, I don't know, for all the ladies that have watched Mean Girls and seen how the girls' thought life works and they, they envision stuff happening to someone that's not really happening. But that's like me sometimes. Sometimes I envision things, man, I just wish that they would fall. Like just right now, just trip. Like that would make me feel so good in this moment. Because my thoughts, if they're not submitted to the Spirit, are opposite of God. And so my obedience and trust in God are a way that I can demonstrate my love with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. John 1 says this, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust also in me. Jesus was speaking to his disciples when he was about to leave. This is after the the moment at the synagogue with the widow. They're having a meal together, and he's pouring out his love on them. And Jesus demonstrates the greatest form of love in that moment where he makes himself less. And he gets down, and I've been thinking about it all week, and it's weird. I've been like, I'm I'm not a foot guy. I don't like people's feet. I'm not like, oh, man, you have the prettiest feet in the world. This is not something that I do. But I was like, I feel like I need to wash people's feet. And I've really felt it all week. I even thought about bringing random people up on stage and washing their feet. But it's really tough to hold a mic and wash people's feet. And I don't want to electrocute you and all those other things that happen with that. But what Jesus demonstrated is a love for people. And in that moment, Their hearts were troubled because Jesus was leaving. I would love to get to a point in my life where my love for others made people not want me to leave. Where they're like, could you just stay a little longer? Because Jesus had poured out his love in such an incredible way in his disciples' lives and showing them the miracles that he created that when he was hanging out with the disciples and he's washing their feet, he says this to them right right before they go off to pray in the garden. 
He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my life, fear of man has, has been a real snare. I like definitely because I'm an achiever, because I like checklists, because if someone asks me to do something, I like to accomplish it for them. My struggle often has been in what they think. And I can't even hear their thoughts. I just hear my own thoughts about what I think they're thinking about me. And so my fear of man proves to be a snare. And, and the Bible says this, that it's going to be a snare. You can get caught in worrying what others think about you. And it all starts with your own thoughts about what they think about you. Do you see the silliness of that? But it says that those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. These are things for me that I've written on my heart in a way that has allowed me to begin to walk in freedom and trust that God is looking after me. One of the greatest ways that we can align ourselves with the Spirit of God and what He's doing in our lives is in prayer. Because prayer aligns our thoughts with the things of God. It slows us down to think about the things that God's thinking about. Sometimes I used to think that by my prayers that God is hearing my prayers for the first time. That God is like, oh, wow. I, I didn't think about that. Like, thanks for bringing up, like, your friend's issue. Thanks for praying for, you know, the psychological issues that your, your, your friend's having. Like, I didn't know about that. Like, this, this is what I really thought about prayer, but that prayer is us aligning with what God is wanting to say through us. And so it's an alignment with the Spirit of God. So when we begin to pray, there's value to praying out loud because not only are you activating your heart to be in an action of prayer for others, you're hearing what you're praying. So therefore, you're hearing what God is speaking to you to speak into someone else's life. And it, it, it's, like a, it, it's like stirring the pot. I feel like it stirs the pot in my heart. Like it's like, you know, if you've ever been, if you've never done this before, take your kids, take people and do this. It is the funnest thing in the world. If you're at a hotel and you have a small pool, start running around in circles on the outer edge. And what happens is it starts to whirl, it starts to swirl, it starts to spin, it starts to take momentum. And then at one point, you can all lift your feet and you can just float and spin in a circle. The reason I'm saying this is that when you begin to uh, pray out loud, there's a, there's a season when there's things that you can think and talk to God in quiet, but there's also seasons when you actually need to declare the, the words of God, and you need to speak the things that God's calling you to speak, because it begins to stir not only outside of you, but then you begin to hear it, and you're like, oh, right, God is faithful. God is just. God is true. And it's not just my th thoughts fighting with each other. I'm beginning to declare it, and it stirs something in your hearts. And so prayer is something that aligns our thoughts. The last thing that I wanted to talk about is another scripture, and it's in 1 Corinthians. And I never really, uh, or sorry, 2 Corinthians. I never really, like, meditated on 2 Corinthians for, for those as, as you've read the Bible. A lot of times when you tell someone to start reading the Bible, they start in Genesis, and by the time they get to Numbers, they're like, what is going on? And so by the time they get to Corinthians, that's a long ways. But when I was in Corinthians, it says this in 1 Corinthians 10. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. Though we struggle with things, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. 
On the contrary, they, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And verse 5 says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, against the thoughts of God. We demolish the thoughts that decide to attack what the thoughts of God are within us. And it says, And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Oh, I'm sorry, Dalen. I couldn't say that. I'm going to leave it down. So my obedience is important because it, it demolishes the strongholds of the enemy because the enemy wants to lie to you. And today, one of the greatest things that God has given us is this ability to forgive. And I want to end with this thought. There are people that you need to forgive. When God so loved the world that he gave his only son, he did it for the forgiveness of our brokenness. And 1 John says this, we love because he first loved us. God loved us in giving his son, sending him to this world to experience a gruesome death on a cross. And that was for the forgiveness of our sins. And then it says this, whoever claims to love God, and I'm going to fill in a little bit of space there, whoever claims to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind and all their strength, yet hates their brother and sister is a liar. Wow, Paul, that's harsh. Wow, John. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God. God who is unseen. Forgiveness is one of the greatest ways that we can partner with God's presence on earth. It is a way that we can partner with the Spirit of God to allow God's presence through us into another's life. And so for, for us, I know in my life there were moments when, and I, I've, I've had plenty of conversations with my parents, so to say this, and my parents hear this, that's totally fine. My dad hurt me. My dad hurt me bad. And for five years, I was angry. Didn't talk to him. Wouldn't answer the phone. Didn't want to hang out with him. There was so much bitterness and hurt in my heart. And my thoughts towards him were just angry. And when I did thought inventory about the way that I thought about my dad, all I expected him to do was to say, I'm sorry. I wanted him to say sorry. And one time God spoke to me and said, I already forgave him. Why are you holding it against him? And my thoughts changed. My thoughts had to change. And out of that obedience to what God was asking me to do, he said, Jordan, you need to, you need to ask your dad for forgiveness. I was like, what? This makes no sense. My dad has done this, this, that, this, that. And I was like, are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah, and I've forgiven that. How come you haven't? If you want my presence to flow through you into him and demonstrate my love that he knows, you have to forgive him. Which means you don't have to wait till he says, I'm sorry. You just need to extend mercy 
but you need to ask for forgiveness. And I went and I asked for forgiveness. And my dad, I remember sitting, he made me a meal. And I said, Dad, I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. It's not how God treated you. When you screwed up and you said, man, God, I'm so sorry. God said, I forgive you. But I, I, I don't agree with what you did. But I'm sorry for how I treated you. It was not loving you with all my heart and all my soul. The same way that I love God and allow God to move through me. And I really want to put the challenge out there because there are people in our lives that we think about that we are so angry at. And God's wrath could have been poured out on us because of our sin, but yet Jesus took all wrath, all of his anger on the cross so that it was complete, so that it was finished, so that no longer were you held captive to your past, to your struggle, and to your thoughts. And we have prayer people here and people that love to pray, but for the if, if you need prayer, I, I want to encourage you. The prayer teams are up at the front. Drive by, pull up. They're going to pray for you. Because for me, I needed someone to walk with me in asking God for forgiveness for holding something against someone else. This widow could have been angry at God because her husband was gone. Because her life had completely changed because she was alone, having to look after herself. But yet she chose to bring what she had to God, knowing that God would look after her. And the small things that she brought to God, God used to multiply through the disciples' lives. And God used to multiply to establish the church. And I just want to end the service this morning with prayer. Prayer for you. And maybe there's someone in your car, and maybe that's you this morning that you're going, man, I need a recalibration of my thoughts. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and know the perfect will of the Father. Maybe you're struggling with direction and what to do in this season. When we allow God to refresh our mind, renew it, when we allow Jesus to step in and recalibrate our thoughts, to focus it on him, there's something that shifts inside of us. And maybe you're in a car and you're with someone and this is like, yeah, this is me. I want to do something that's different. We're going to worship in a second here. But I want you to, if that's you and you're struggling, you know, man, my thought life has not been good. I've been struggling with depression. I've been struggling with anxiety. I've been struggling with anger. Any act of the flesh, you fill in the blank. And I need God to renew my thoughts about him and what he can do and what he can do in my life and what he can do through my life and others. I want you to be vulnerable for a second with those that are closest to you because if you came in a car with them, I guarantee there's a level of love for, for each other in the vehicle. That if we are trusting with what God is putting in our hearts right now and challenging with us, us with, that we could pray for one another and see our lives receive freedom, that we can pray for one another and receive healing 
And that might take dialogue, and you might talk for a while. That's okay. You're in your car. Go for a drive. But I want to pray for you this morning. And maybe you're here and you don't know, or maybe you've heard of Jesus, and Jesus is your Savior, and you've heard that he saves people, but he's not your Lord. Because the way that you're loving him really is not walking in obedience with what God's called you to do. I want to put out this challenge that you can do that by declaring today in prayer, Jesus, I trust you. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you changed my life from the inside out. That means my heart. That means my thoughts. And today, I surrender it. The same way as the widow put two coins in the offering and says, I surrender it to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my thoughts to you. I surrender my actions to you and the things I'm about to do to you. And I believe that you are Lord of today. I want to make you Lord of my life. So let me pray for you. And for those that need prayer and they were asking in their heart, they're going, man, I need prayer. If you just let the person in your vehicle know, I need prayer, so that they can put a hand on you. Because the Bible says that by the laying of hands, we receive healing. And I'm not just talking about healing, physical healings, manifesting, those kind of things. That stuff happens, and I love it. I'm talking about a renewing of your mind, a, a healing of your thought life, of your anxiety, depression, anger, frustration, struggle, whatever it is. And that comes by someone going, I got you. And I believe that God's presence is going to pour out his love over you this morning. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you love the world so much that you gave your son to die on a cross so that we would receive healing over our bodies, over our thoughts, over our broken spirit and soul. And right now I'm asking in every car in this parking lot, in every person that's online watching on their couches, in every person that listens to this in the future, God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe right now in your name, that there is a restoration and a healing that is happening over the hearts and minds of your children because you love them. And so, Father, I just pray that you would change our thoughts, that you would begin to fix our thoughts on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We put our trust in you this morning, that where the areas that you've challenged us in this morning, that we would walk in freedom, that you would free us of the battlefield of our mind. And so Jesus, would you come? Would you heal our hearts and transform our minds and use us to bring freedom to the captives in the lives, in the community around us? Amen. So I want to invite you to do what God asks you to do. If that means to get out of your car and stand in worship as we sing this last song, if that means to speak a word of knowledge or wisdom over your, your car mates, do that. Activate what the Spirit of God has given you through the resurrected power of Jesus this morning.
I just wanted to put out the encouragement today. I just chatted with uh, some of the elders of the church, and they really believe that there is an opportunity for prayer for you that are here today. That, that we don't want you to... this week. Amen. Well, thank you for coming to church. Thank you for being community in whatever way we can possibly do right now. And thank you online for joining us. If you do need prayer, you can always message us on